Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to come together and hear your word speak to us. We thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for how you look after us. We just give you praise and thanks, and we thank you for the good discussion today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Wonderful continental breakfast this morning. I'm glad that you guys are all enjoying that, and uh, we hope that you enjoy this every week, and we want to give special credit to the people who come in early and put this stuff out for you. That's Thanks, Donna and Arella and all those who come and, and help set up. And oh, and big, don't forget Big Jim either. <laughs> so we don't take these things for granted. This is something that's really important for us to remember. Remember the people who are helping here to serve to make this convenient for you. Amen? All right. So one of the questions that... Uh, Gus had asked about, and I, don't, I cannot remember the exact words of it, but we have this concept of where heaven is, and we don't really understand a lot about it. All we can see is Scripture. And we looked at the book of Revelation, and we saw what Scripture said about the book of, uh, about heaven. But what we need to understand about heaven should hopefully take us back to the magnificence of God. Because we need to understand that in order for this heaven to be present... And we don't understand what happens, you know, when we say absent with the body, present with the Lord. But yet we also talk about people who are resting and then they're going to be raised up. Well, there are some things that we just aren't going to understand until they really happen. And with that should be a call for even greater faith through this whole process. One of the things that we're going to be harping on a lot in May... I'll just do a plug for my spring break conference right now. We're going to be harping a lot about faith. Faith is the very foundation of what we are here for. It's the very foundation. Without faith, this is meaningless. This whole conversation we're even having about heaven or who God is, without faith, it's a meaningless discussion. It doesn't go anywhere. There are people, you know, who, for example, you've been hearing, if you listen to the news, and you're going to hear this more and more because you're going to hear a godless approach to how things are being addressed in society today. The whole thing about gun violence. You know, people saying, what are thoughts and prayers going to do when we can actually take action? Well, now you're cutting out the very nature of God being involved in the discussion. And you're going to hear that a lot more. I'm, I'm just challenging you that that is not an idle conversation. That is almost a boilerplate discussion now that's being framed in the whole area of politics. Because taking God out, just like taking God out of schools, taking God out of any discussion, now takes it and puts it in a worldly realm. But what does that do to our church? Are we removing God from our church? It depends on who you talk to. There are some things that have been pulled out of the discussion when it comes to the church, for example, about lifestyles. You can talk about certain things, but other things you can't talk about. Well, that's now, now you're doing pieces, parts. But let's get back to the discussion about faith. Faith is the very foundation of what we do. Without faith, the discussion is meaningless. I want you to take a look at Isaiah chapter 40. And I want you to look at the importance of seeing why 
faith is, is paramount here, in this whole conversation about heaven. And just like we just said that there are going to be some things that we're not going to understand until we get there, we only have references to it in Scripture, but we don't have a timeline. We don't have any sort of way of looking at a guideline for it other than its discussion because, you know, we still have pre-trib, post-trib discussions all the time. And those, to me, you know, they, I, I certainly am willing to listen to them and hear people talk about different things, but we're all speculating. That's all it is. We don't know. But the one thing we can know with faith is the power of God to do whatever he sees fit to do. And that's something... Remember the discussion we had last week about, well, are there, are there animals, are, there, are your pets going to heaven? Well, we had that conversation, and, and ultimately we're talking about pets have different structures than human beings do. You know, pets don't have spirits like we do. They don't have souls, excuse me, like we do. But we still have this uncertainty, but we have to go back to who God really is. Look at Isaiah 40 and start with verse 9. Now, if you look at the heading of this passage, it says the greatness of God, if you have a heading in your Bible. And when we talk about the greatness of God, first of all, we, there are some things we can say that are unequivocal just based upon Scripture. He is an eternal God. He has always been in existence. He is the uncreated creator. You get that? Uncreated creator. That means he's always been in existence. And when we talk about magnitude, you can make God as big or as small as you want on your own effort, on your own human reasoning. God can be as big or as small as you want him to be. But that doesn't change who he is. In our humanity, sometimes God is very small. And we can equate that to our level of faith. Our level of faith will determine how big or how small God really is. Do you believe that God is a healer? Yes or no? Do you believe that God is a healer? Yeah, sure. Okay, amen. I know you do. Double hands. Yeah. And so that sometimes, though, has to be proven out by what? Action. Sometimes we have to have evidence of that in seeing God work. But just because we don't see it doesn't mean he isn't there. He's doing it. Look at verse 9. Zion, herald of good news, go up high on a high mountain. Jerusalem, herald of good news, Raise your voice loudly. Raise it. Do not be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with strength, and power establishes his rule. His wages are with him, and his reward accompanies him. A couple of key words in that verse. Power and strength. You don't have a weakling, a 98-pound weakling for a God. He's powerful. He's strong. And when we think about power and strength, there's all kinds of different things you can attach to power and strength. Bulldozers, you know, iron men, whatever you want to do. Superheroes. You can see power and strength that's described in how people will, will depict those different persons. But 
they aren't anything close to who God is. Nothing close. Let's continue. He protects his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. He gently leads those that are nursing. Now look at the imagery here that's being used in this passage. Because it's actually putting, has, God has, is being represented as having clothing. And we're talking about him doing this within the folds of his garment. Now, let's continue here. And I want you to continue, look at this imagery. Look at verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure or weigh the mountains on a balance and the hills on the scales. Now think about this for a moment. How big do you have to be where you can hold in your hands the waters of the earth? Now let's think about that. Remember, the earth is made up of 75% water. 75%? 75%. 75% water. There's only like 25% of the earth that's covered by land. So we're talking about a lot of water. We're talking about a huge amount. And so when we look at this thing about protects his flock like a shepherd, gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them in the fold of his garment. Well, the fold of his garment, understand what the fold of a garment is. This section right here is my sleeve, and the fold of my garment is wherever my sleeve is that bends, or whatever coat you're wearing. It's in this section. It's not the whole arm. Just this section. How big do you have to be to be able to do that? You can't even... That's right. You can't even... You can't comprehend it. But it's big enough where you get the idea we're not talking about a small God. We're talking about a God who can measure the waters in the hollow of his hand, in the hollow of his hand, not the whole hand, the section in between. You understand now what we're going with this? The hollow of your hand is whatever you can put inside your hand, and it stays put. You pour enough water on your hand, and you know some water is going to run off. But if you hold it steady, there will be a little section in your hand where there will be a puddle of water. That's the oceans in God's hand. All of them. You get it? Who has gathered the dust of the earth in a measure? In a measure. The dust of the earth. How many of you like to clean? Now, we're not just talking about the dust in your house. Or the dust in your neighborhood. We're talking about the dust of the earth. And there's a lot of it. And that includes dirt and all the other stuff that goes with it. It's, a, it's, a, it's so infinitesimal you couldn't imagine it. Weigh the mountains on a balance or the hills on the scales. Okay. Look at verse 15. Look, the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are considered as a speck of dust on the scales. He lifts up the islands like fine dust. 
We are talking about a God who is so magnanimous, so unbelievable. By comparison, we're like a thimble. And I'm talking about the earth. I'm not talking about just us. I'm talking about the earth itself. Remember it says the islands are like a drop in the bucket. In a bucket of water, well, there's, if you have a drop, you can see what a drop looks like. I went through all of this, this entire exercise, to say, look, just going back to the previous conversation, there are certain things that we can look at in Scripture and we have an idea, but we really don't. We only can scratch the surface. We don't know necessarily what it means when he says, we can, say, we can speculate and say, absent with the body, present with the Lord. Well, present how? We don't know what that means. We would like to believe present in spirit, but we understand that he has care for us. He knows everyone's name in this room. No matter how big or small you are, he knows exactly who you are because he selected you. So I'm going to trust that when we say absent with the body, present with the Lord, I know exactly what that means. But it's present in spirit, I'm sure. But that's a faith issue. I can only tell you what I believe. The spirit has to speak to you and tell you what you believe. But that's what this means when we talk about heaven. There is a place for us. He is not going to tell us something that's not true. When Jesus says, I have prepared a place for you, and I have a place for you, that means there's a place. And like we said before, joking around and looking at Charles when I say this, we don't know if it's a condo, we don't know if it's a house, we don't know what it is, but there's a place. It's prepared, and it's waiting for you, because you're a child of God. And he would love to be able to build on to that place. You know how I can say that? Because he wants to have every person come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every person that he selected and chose to exist on this earth, he wants to get saved. There's a place for them in heaven too. I'm just going to put it out there. I think it's always under construction for those new believers all the more reason when we look back at our lives, look at the people in our lives that we are close to, like your mother and people we know, just keep praying. Keep praying for them. Because God can do amazing things. Remember, God is the one who gets us ultimately saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. All he wants us to do is be a witness for him. That's what he wants. He wants us to be a witness for him. He wants us to be a spokesperson for him. He wants us to represent him. He wants us to be ambassadors for him, wherever we go. Because in those actions, that's what gets people to start having conversations about Jesus Christ. But the Spirit has to get it done. Now, if I serve a God, and if you serve a God where... He can hold the oceans in the hollow of his hand. Certainly he can do something like get people saved. Amen? Okay. So I want you to understand who it is about, and I'm, I'm glad that this discussion came up because I wanted you to go back and look at 
who God is. Look at verse 18. With whom will you compare God? What likeness will you set up for a comparison to him? Verse 22, God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. The very actions that he's describing, things that, isn't it interesting how scripture is actually using things that you can relate to? Everybody knows what a grasshopper is. Everybody knows what a tent is. Everybody knows what those things are, but he's giving you They're giving you imagery so you can imagine how big, how powerful, how strong God really is. If anything, this should increase your faith. Increase it. Buoy it. Put more energy behind it. Yes. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is the great counselor. Counselor with a capital C. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Great point. Never had to do it. That's how amazing he is. Yeah. Absolutely. So we get this now, we have this conversation about heaven going forward, and as we look at this, we're talking about a God that can do basically whatever he desires to do according to his will. Pardon me? And whenever, that's right, it's whenever... However, it's according to his will. Now, I'm going to challenge you on something here, too. The Bible gives you an idea of his character, but we don't always understand what his will is. There are unwritten things about his will. We know that it exists. We know that he has it. But there are just some things we just don't understand. And we're not going to understand. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist doesn't mean it isn't there. Okay. I think the whole idea of heaven is that he gives us glimpses of what we can expect. But it's only glimpses. It's not totality. You're not going to be able to understand everything that was written anyway. Because it's completely different than what we've experienced on earth. So all you have are glimpses. And it's just like how, if you really think about it, you know, some people go through, there's a, there's a friend of, of Lynn's that's going through a, a, a deal with her child right now at the hospital. They don't really quite know what's wrong with the child. But it's an ongoing issue. It's an ongoing situation. And you just wonder how that person can bear dealing with this issue. The issue is, is that God knows exactly what you can bear depending upon the person and what you can handle. 
There are certain things we frankly can't handle. It's better we don't know. Just like the day you die. Do you want to know the day you die? No, you don't want to know. You couldn't handle that. Because that just basically determined you've got a measured number of days. Even people who are given two or three years to live, it's a guess. They don't know for sure. Because you couldn't handle it. You couldn't handle it. There are certain things that you can bear, and God knows what those things are. So we need to keep that in this whole thing about his will. There are things that we are unwritten things, but we understand it. Okay. So we went down on the bottom of the handout in the heaven discussion. Does anybody have any questions about any of this at all, or additional comments? Yes. I don't know. Yes, he has said that. Sometimes uh, it's short, sometimes it's long, sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, he says, you know what, you've got more time. Yep. And the comment about the child, uh, they may not know, right. and the mother doesn't know, right. but God knows. That's right. And um, to get back to the point of the road, you tie it all together, it starts with God. That's right. That's the only confidence. That's the only confidence that we can really get into prayer. Yep. And know that no matter how small we really are mm-hmm. in comparison, our God is much bigger than anything we can ever face or anything we can ever go through. And as it's a good reminder. that tough yeah. thing that you were talking about, mm-hmm. God He's giving you imagery to see how truly magnanimous, and magnificent he is. That's right. That's right. So don't lose the... You're correct. Well, I'm only going by what I understand. I'm only going by what I know or understand. Prayer is still an important element of this faith about God. Because remember, even though our days are measured... We have an example in Scripture where he extended days based upon what? That person's faith. Based upon that person's trust. Sometimes God puts things before us to challenge us. Challenge us with how we respond and how we look at things. And he challenges us sometimes just to do nothing more than pray because there's certain things you can't control. Who can control what goes on in their life today? Anyone? I was going to say, you think you can control stuff? It's like, what in the world? How in the world can you do that? You can control what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, see, her very comment 
is the exact example I just gave you guys about how mature this class has been and is getting when it comes to study. Because that's a mature response. And her name is... Put that... And a rim shot. But that's why I say what I say about this class is far beyond what many Sunday school classes probably are. You guys know a lot more because of your exposure and you're just trusting in Scripture, you're reading. That's a mature response that she gave. You guys know a lot more than you give yourselves credit for. doesn't mean that you relax on that. You're still learning more. You're still growing more in what's being said. Okay. So... Oh, I, oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I couldn't hear you. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. God allows things to happen in our lives. We don't always understand it, but we also know that there's a purpose in it. And he, because he allows it, and this is also part of having a mature discussion about it, too. Because just like Ed said, God is in the beginning, he's in the midst of it, and he's in the end of it as well, too. It all still comes back to him. After all is said and done, what's going to happen at the very end? All knees are going to bow and all tongues are going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's after all is said and done. That's after all this stuff that we've been going through and what we've been talking about. People are going to recognize who Jesus Christ really is. He's Lord. And that's something that's going to happen. And a lot of people now that are talking about, well, prayers and, and, and talks are not necessary right now because we need to take action. To do what? What action would you like to take? Prayer is what's going to change hearts and minds through the power of the Lord, power of Jesus Christ. Prayer is what's going to change the hearts and minds of those through the power of the Lord, through Jesus Christ. The Spirit is the one who has to do the work. That's what's going to happen. And, you know, just so you know, because you're in the earthly realm, you're not going to hear a lot of that. It's going to have to be driven through our churches and driven through people who are members of the faith community who really understand what that means. Just so you're aware. All right. So we had the discussion about the fact that heaven was a real place. And we had the conversation about that. And now we go to the side two of the handout about how the Bible also tells us that heaven is the dwelling place of God. His throne is there. The angels are there. And the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says very plainly that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now understand something. That's not a typo. That's an understanding we have to have. If Jesus Christ is dwelling, that's his dwelling place, that's where he is. But now, let's keep in mind something. Let's say that's his home base. Does that limit what Jesus Christ can do? Of course not. In the same way that you have a house, you leave your house just like he does. He's going out. He sends people out into the world. They're not at home. They're somewhere where they're serving. 
Missionaries are doing it all the time. Well, international workers. International workers. That's the terminology we use here. International workers are doing what? Working overseas. But their home might be in Pennsylvania. So just because he has a dwelling place doesn't mean that limits him. We just got through saying that there is no limit to God. There is no limit whatsoever. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Let's go to that passage real quick, because I want to I go back and look at that. And, and this goes back to, when I looked at this passage, this was some time ago. I'm in Luke, chapter 23. Now, I want you to understand something. Sometimes we as believers, and this is still a discussion about heaven, don't, we're not losing that. Sometimes we as believers make this whole thing about getting people saved out to be more than what it really is. Jesus, all he wants us to do is believe in him. Believe that he is Lord. Believe that he is righteous. Believe that he is the one who is in charge of all of this. And therefore, just like Arella said, he didn't need to be counseled. He counsels us. He's the one who is giving the direction here. And understand that Jesus allowed himself to die on the cross for the purpose of what? Our salvation. He is a willing participant. I know what it says about in the flesh he prayed that it would be taken away. I get all that. That's the human side of Jesus. Remember, he was fully God and fully human. Now, who understands that? Anybody in here understand that? Well, you understand it based on what I said, but do you understand the concept of being fully God and fully human at the same time? No one does. Really think about it. We don't have that ability. We can only go by what we have been told. We don't understand it completely. We, under, we believe it because of faith. That's the only way you can believe that. It flies in the face of everything you understand about humanity. Yet he did it. Go back up. Let's start with verse 32. And of course, right, bef- and right in the midst of that, Jesus is talking about being for- forgiving them and speaking to the Father, forgiving people. But look at verse 32. Two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. So it's established that these are two criminals. And their penalty is death. It's a death penalty. When they arrived at the palace, at the, pardon me, at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. Here is Jesus speaking forgiveness in the midst of being crucified. 
Because let me tell you something. Forgiveness is a prerequisite to being allowed to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is an important part of this thing called salvation. You have to repent from your sin. And the moment you repent from your sin, what does Jesus do? He forgives it. It's necessary. Let's continue. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine. So you're hearing the conversation. Everyone there, you know, kick a man when he's down. Let him save himself. He's so big and bad. And you have that mob mentality. And you know what? We have a lot of mob mentality today. You got one person who says something. Everybody else wants to join in. We're talking about what human beings do. It's the ugly side of humanity. Okay, so. Soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. There you go, mob mentality again. He knows he's going to die. He's going to go ahead and might as well join in with the crew. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment. Look at verse 40 again very closely. This criminal already has reverence. Don't you even fear God. You don't hear anything like that anywhere else. He now has reverence because he recognizes that he sees someone much different. Fearing God and having reverence means he's already dealing with the issue that he's going to die but he recognizes what's in front of him. Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment. Verse 41. We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Jesus immediately responds to that because he knows exactly what the heart of this man is. He knows exactly what the heart of this man is. He has reverence. He recognizes who he is. He understands who this man is next to him who is dying on the cross for no reason. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Bam! Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The only one that can change the heart, again, is who? The Holy Spirit. The only one who can have him recognize after a life of crime and criminal behavior, I messed up, there's a God I need to fear, 
And he's looking at Jesus saying, this man is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the one. And he said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's all it took. That's all it took. When he's talking about Jesus coming into his kingdom, that's right. He's repented of his sin. He's acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all it takes, everybody. You make it more difficult sometimes than you need to. You need to see that all it takes is a heart of repentance, a heart of recognizing who it is you're repenting to, and Jesus Christ says, you're going to be with me in paradise. That's it. So he immediately put himself ahead of place. He has a place in heaven. I know you had your hand up. I'm sorry. Okay. Today. I said today. So how does that, so that supports, that's right, absent with the body, present with the Lord. Okay, very good. Yes. Right. That's right. Excellent. Where is paradise? We do, wherever it is. Well, well, we don't have no GPS. So we don't know. We, can't, we can only go by what Jesus has declared where paradise is. What is paradise? Being, being in his presence is paradise. Being in his presence. But... There are several things that are implied there, aren't there? There's a place. There's a place. Remember what it said in number two here. Helling is a dwe- heaven is the dwelling place of God. Throne is there, the angels are there, the Lord Jesus Christ is in heaven. It's a place. It's an actual place. It's a location. Yes. Okay. You, you. <laughs> He's right. Go ahead. It refers to a garden, a park. Yep. In the Garden of Eden. Amen. That's where Adam and Eve were. That's right. So that's what he's saying about paradise. Mm-hmm. But then I was just observing to you. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the two criminals, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Criminals. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. We see the same thing in one and our views differ. Well, there, there's an answer for that. But there is an answer for that. How can two people see the same thing, look at the very same situation, and see them differently? What's the difference? Their minds are different. It does exist today. Yes. Yep. Yep. 
That's right. That's right. Yes. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Right. That's exactly right. Exactly right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Very good. And and that essentially summarizes and hopefully encapsulates even what you're relating to when you see stuff on TV. I'll be honest with you guys, I don't watch it. I don't watch it. The only time I see stuff is on the news when they have these little bites here and there, and even then I tune it out. Because I already know where it's going. If you already know where it's going, save yourself. Seriously. Save yourself. There's no sense in you getting all riled up. It just gives you greater desire to pray for our nation. We are in a spiritual battle. And the spiritual battle takes on all different kinds of forms, including through media. You've got to understand that. You have to recognize that. So we need to be praying. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who can do that? How, do you, how could he possibly know that Jesus was innocent? Yes. Yes. King of the Jews. But even if you're seeing that message, though, who has to put in your heart his innocence? The Spirit. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to see. The Spirit is the one that has to give that insight. Because we can see stuff all day long. But ultimately, the Spirit has to give you the conviction that this, to believe that's exactly what's happening. Remember, you can't believe everything you see. Amen? You can't believe everything you see. That was the second bell? Oh, man. All right. <laughs> you had a willing heart and you had another one who was not willing. You're right. Okay. Amen. We're talking about heaven. No, it's not. <laughs> that is right. Amen. Amen. Got to get past that, don't we? <laughs> okay, we're going to pick up next week. This was a this was a great discussion. We're going to continue next week, and um, so we we have a lot to digest here, including about the magnificence of God. Hold the oceans in the hollow of His hand. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to have great discussion. Look at some scriptures. Corroborate what we know. 
and even help us with greater understanding about this faith that we have in you. Lord, we know that you are not a small God. You're a mighty God. You're a powerful God. And you can do whatever you choose to do. And while we don't have great understanding of everything, we also recognize that we don't need to have understanding of everything because we know that you are in control of all of it. You are in control and we know that you hold us in the palms of your hand, in the fold of your garment. And we are secure because you've chosen us. We thank you for that recognition. We thank you for that understanding. As we move forward and have continued discussion about heaven and what it does really mean for us, we just thank you that we can also use this information as a testimony to others to help them with even greater understanding of what they have right now. We know that you, the Spirit, will enable them with that understanding. But Lord, we need to be the ones to disciple. And we thank you for those opportunities that will come forth. Bless us now. Bless the upcoming message and the speaker in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. See you next time.